Recently, a church asked me to share uh, some observations of, of how the Lord has been using us personally and, and in the ministry. And I thought I would share that with you. So uh, if you can go to Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6. Sometimes when people ask my kids what, uh, what, what do they like about Mexico, it's interesting, they always have the same answer. For example, Rose, what, what are two things you like about Mexico? The food and the people. Yeah, and I'll have to ask my other kids because they have the same, same answer. The food and the people. Um, the people are very loving, very warm, uh, but the, it's interesting, it's, it's hard to separate the food and the people because the food uh, really communicates uh, the way that they love someone. They really show their appreciation through uh, their food. And I, I think that many cultures do that. Uh, my brother recently was in a, a Latin American country, and, and I mentioned that to them. I said, um, and he said, yes, as, because he was mentioning the tortillas. And I, I said, you know, make sure you eat what's in front of you. And, and he said that... Um, he said the, way, the waiter did seem a little offended when he, when he said he didn't want the tortillas. Uh, that really is a way to demonstrate uh, appreciation. But sometimes, you know, that's just one example. A lot of times we, um, when we deal with people from different cultures, uh, we realize how much we are affected by our own culture. Uh, I was writing a paper and, and about Mexico, and my teacher said, we'll make it more... Cultural, and I had to struggle with that because after living in Mexico uh, after so many years, I was trying to think what is cultural, and it dawned on me that really even you know we I think a lot of times we have the tendency to to look at all the other cultures and say that's culture and look at us as 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 normal that's that's the norm everybody else has culture but I um, we all do and it's really interesting the more that we interact with other other people. Uh, from different cultures, and it does get us out of our our comfort zone. But I want to read a passage, and it does reflect a little bit about um, a, a challenge between uh, cultures that are similar but but different, and uh, how the Lord resolved the the issues. But Acts chapter six, we're going to read the first seven verses, and it says, "In those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews." because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out amongst, among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Procurus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the multitudes multi, uh, of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you will give us understanding uh, of this passage so that we can put it into practice. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us into truth re- regarding our understanding of your word and also the 
Thank you for the Holy Spirit putting conviction on our hearts about our responsibility to obey your word. We pray that you'll guide us to put into practice what we will see. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, going back to verse 1, it, it's interesting, and, and I think we can gloss over it, um, mainly because the, the general context of what we read here, but it says, in, the, in, in those days, you know, this is, it's interesting that many Jewish believers from many different, Jewish people from many different areas came uh, to Jerusalem, and it's interesting that many are putting their trust in Christ, and because uh, they are putting their trust in Christ, there is a challenge with the with the twelve with the apostles to really uh, address their spiritual need, their new new believers, and and it's interesting at the same time that there's a bit, bit of a cultural class because we have we have Jews um, who are speaking Greek as their primary language, and there are uh, Hebrews who are speaking uh, Hebrew as a primary language. So just an example of, of two groups. And there's a little bit of clash. There's one group that senses um, perhaps that, that there is a, a, a bit of prejudice going on. And, and it does, does say that the widows, uh, says regarding the Grecians, because their widows were neglected or, or overlooked, in the daily ministration, uh, so there's there's concern there, and and it's actually interesting because it brings up a couple of needs. There's a physical need there. There's a spiritual need, and there's a physical need. And I think even the the physical need was a spirit was a spiritual need. Not we might think, you know, how can a spiritual need be a physical need? Um, when in Mexico, a lot of, we were in an area once where a lot of people come by. Uh, the house, and they'll ask for money. And, and usually what we explain is we don't give money, we'll give food. Um, and, and at the college, they do the same thing. And when they come by the house, they'd give them a little bit of work to do, maybe sweep the front, and then give, give them a plate of food. Um, one man, when he asked for money, I said, um, you know, I don't, give, I don't give money, but I can give food. And he said, it sounds funny, but it's revealing, but he said, he said, no, that makes, my, that makes my stomach hurt. And you think about it, food makes his stomach hurt. What he's really saying, and really it was because of, of his addiction to drugs, that really probably quite possibly did. But that was a physical need, and it really did need food, but that physical need revealed a spiritual need. Uh, and his spiritual need was affecting him physically. And so I, I think here that even the meeting the needs of genuine widows uh, was a concern. And in fact, the 12 didn't say, that's not important. They didn't say, ignore that. They didn't say, don't, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. They, they, they saw that as a legitimate need. But they also, they also notified that there was a priority. And the priority is, is in verse 2. It says, is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. And, and in fact, they they focused in on what uh, they were to do. In verse four, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So they ever had a responsibility to to the people that the Lord put in their path to pray for them, 
as well as to minister the Word. In other words, uh, they have the responsibility to read the Bible, to study the Word, and to communicate the Word of God to uh, those disciples. And, and not just ex- exposit the Word of God, but to apply the Word of God. And so it's very interesting that they're even applying the Word of God at this moment. But, you know, some of the, some of the n- interesting lessons that I learned concerning... Um, my need to be more in tune towards the, the genuine needs of others was my lack of understanding of culture. Um, I, I went 10 years in a college setting uh, that was very, very structured and time-oriented to a ministry in Mexico where it wasn't. I'll just put it this way. Um, I'll give an example. We were... Uh, my wife and I, when we first got there, our neighbors invited us over for dinner. They said, come. And he said, can you come for dinner? I said, yeah, it was one, six. Okay, well, my culture said, you know, if you, you show up on time, you're a little bit late. So we showed up at five to six, knocked on the door, and the lady of the house greeted us with her mouth wide open and her hand on a vacuum cleaner. Um, six o'clock was basically just a ta- just a reference point. Um, when we first went down, also my um, see, one of my coworkers, he said on Tuesdays we have um, we have a men's activity where we go out and door knock on, at seven p.m. I said okay, that's good. So I showed up at the church again five minutes before seven. Um, I'm at the church. I'm waiting. Uh, 7.05, 7.10, 7.15. I think I waited to about 7.20. So okay, well, maybe I just low turnout. They didn't, they didn't come this week. So I, I went home. Next next Tuesday, this time I showed, showed up at 7 instead of 7.05. 7 o'clock, 7.05, 7.10, 7.15. Probably I, I thought it would be good to mention to my coworker. I said, hey, um, you know, this men's activity there. They're not, they're not having it, no one's showing up. And he said, sure, so a lot of men are showing up. He said, I would leave before they would ever show up. You know, 7 o'clock, just, just a kind of a reference point to where you need to, where you need to be and, and, and at what time. And really, my, my culture um, would say that's, you know, there, there's an offense there. But if I would actually take offense... That I would I would be actually creating offense because uh, although they may a lot of Hispanics come late they they will actually stay uh, for an event and and a lot of times the services are an event um, when if you ever preach in Mexico and you ask uh, I, I don't think I have ever had an exception if you get out of Mexico you ask uh, the the pastor and you say how long should I preach. And sometimes you might get a funny look on your face, and they'll say, "Well, till you're done," uh, because time is really not a reference point there, or not, not an issue there. It's just it's just a guideline uh, to to help you. So you might start an, an event late, but they will stay for a long period of time. And another thing, uh, my at least from from where I grew up, um, if you want to if you want to greet someone, you you just go up like so. There's a big Audience, you go up, you look at everybody, you say "Hey," and everybody says "Hey," and that's it. You've got you did your greeting. Um, in in Mexico, at church, you greet everyone individually. You go up and shake their hand, shake their hand, uh, greet them, and then before you leave, you greet them. And we we again, that's another thing I learned when I when I. 
uh, right in the beginning because uh, one lady wanted to invite us to dinner and, and we left the service before uh, she did and she came straight to our car and let us know uh, politely. No, it wasn't. Well, there's a lady that really is good at telling, telling things uh, very, very clearly um, and she just basically said, you know, I said, he said, that's, it's not the kindest thing just to, to walk out without greeting everybody. So a uh, lot of interesting cultural things that for us would either not a big deal or we might think the opposite of. But here is an example in which there was a, a tension uh, and, and the fact that there are cultural tensions doesn't, doesn't mean that those tensions need to always be unresolved. In, in other words, we do have a, a biblical answer to the, to the scenario. The Twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God to serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may, whom we may appoint over this business. And he does say, he talks about uh, serving tables. And that, that serving actually communicates, if you put it in a noun form, um, uh, simply a servant, and actually is the, uh, the noun form is the word that's also translated as deacon. So it's he's it, talking about servants, and he's talking about pointing out servants. And, and when we think about a deacon in a church, uh, we think about you know he is a servant. He is not the only servant in the church, though. When you think about, uh, I, I was thinking uh, I taught pastoral epistles, and it's interesting when you look at the list of qualifications of a pastor and, and, and of a deacon. And I looked at that list, and apart from apt uh, or, or someone who is, uh, who is qualified to be able to, to, to preach, apart from those other quali- that one, you look at the other qualifications, and those are actually pattern qualifications. What does that mean? Uh, a, a deacon really has a responsibility of being a pattern, and a pastor has a responsibility of being a pattern. Not to say that they're the only ones who should be able to, to, to serve and be faithful. Uh, a pattern is for all of us. My my daughter who's in college. She she's working with um, she's studying graphic design. She's working with a three D printer, and it's really interesting that you know with a three three D printer you can you can design something on the computer and actually do a prototype and print it out. It's a pattern. Uh, so for for example, if someone wants to promote a type of shoe, he will actually do a printout on a laser at a three D printer. Uh, of a shoe that he wants to manufacture. And so let people look at it and test it. And he's, what he's not saying is, I want everybody to buy this white shoe. <laughs> no, he's saying, I want everybody to buy the shoes that we will make based on this pattern. So concerning, concerning this passage, when we look at this, and the 12 are talking about these men, and it's interesting the qualifications that they gave, because uh, he's, they're not just saying, okay, we need to focus in on pray, prayer and ministry of the word. So just just find a couple people to feed these guys. No, feed these ladies. No, that's not what he's saying. He's actually talking about spiritual qualifications, or uh, and, and, he, and he talks about those who are full of the Holy Ghost, men of honest report, wise to a point over this business. Now, why? I, I think there are many reasons why. One of the reasons because because they have a responsibility to to administer, and therefore they need to do it for the right reasons. They, uh, but also, 
I think it's connected to verse seven, and we're gonna, we're going to get there in a minute. But but there's a there's a dual need, and we talk about a spiritual need and a physical need. The spiritual need is, takes priority, or we can also say that the physical need uh, re- reveals a a spiritual need. Um, a lot of times, I, like, I love to talk about Second Timothy two two. What I mentioned this morning, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou the faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. When we think about that responsibility. What is that responsibility that we have? We have a responsibility to learn of the Lord, to to teach others, and to also leave a responsibility with those that we with whom we disciple of that need to go out and reach others. So here we look at this the spiritual qualifications and 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 one of the ways that we can another way that's even not cross cultural that we can see that there's that Physical scenarios also reveal a spiritual need. Second um, Timothy two one it says in the grace, uh, Paul to Timothy talks. Paul's telling Timothy that needs he needs to uh, to strengthen himself up, but not with his own power. He says uh, he talks about the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And we think about that. Um, how many of us? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of us love that beautiful song in the morning? At whatever time, five, five thirty, six, whatever, uh, and that that comes out of that box next to us when we sleep. And I think, what's how, what's what's the melody? <laughs> you know, it's, that that that, and we think about it. We actually have to physically go over there and hit the buzzer. Um, some people play basketball with it and hit it many, many times. But it's a, you know, it's a physical connection. But that actually reveals a spiritual need. Why? Because it's it's signaling to us that we have a responsibility, and that responsibility is given to us by the Lord. So even the, even the, even the physical things that we do correspond to a spiritual responsibility. And it, it's interesting, they chose these men, and, and in verse 7, we see the result of the whole situation. We, we, we start off with... Um, the Grecians and, and the Hebrews. We start off with a, a little bit of cultural conflict, and we and we see that they're talking about a physical need, but there's a spiritual need, a spiritual component to it. And then we come to choosing those who would serve, choosing servants. And as a result, it says the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied. Now, what had to happen for the word of God to increase? And and uh, the number of disciples multiply. Well, we might say, well, people were fed. Well, how does that feeding feeding widows or attending to the needs of widows? How does that correspond to the word of God increasing and the number of disciples multiplied? Well, I think two things were going on here. The twelve had a responsibility of praying for uh, the people that the Lord put in their path. These uh, thousands of, of new believers. So that, that were that were coming around, and and they had a responsibility, and, and there is a, you know, they they're praying for them as also uh, as well as ministering to them concerning the word of God. Well, I believe that as they studied the word of God, I believe as the scriptures that they had available to them, they were studying by by other people attending to that to the to the physical needs that were that were legitimate. But they needed to be attended to by other people attending to that. What could the the twelve do? 
They could dedicate more time to prayer. They could dedicate more time to reading, studying, and preaching, and applying the Word of God. And when that happened, part of the applying the Word of God is, is looking at passages that correspond to our responsibility as believers and, and communicating that, that we need to be faithful in those areas. And so I believe that, uh, that there were those under the ministry of the Twelve that went out and started communicating the Word of God as, as a result of being convicted. And I think that the Word of God was communicated further by these men that were, that were communicating that, that were preaching, and it also opened up more opportunity, more doors, and that the disciples were, uh, that, that came along were becoming more and more faithful. So we actually have the beginning of a, of a, a process of multiplication. And again, we see that in 2 Timothy 2, too, where there's a responsibility to take what you've learned and to pour that in the lives of others and also leave with them the responsibility that they have to do the same. But I think that there's also another component that actually helped uh, the process here, too, concerning the Word of God increasing the number of disciples. Again, they didn't choose just people who knew how to, to serve tables. They chose people who, who were wise. They chose people who were full of the Holy Ghost. They chose people who were of honest report. And why, why do you think that was necessary? One, I think, concerning the amount of people that had, had a physical need, I think that if they, they, they didn't utilize correctly the resources, there could be problems. You know, remember, in fact, the 12 here uh, was, was 11 plus Matthias because Judas Iscariot, uh, who also had his his hands his hands in the money bag uh, originally with with, with, the, with the apostles uh, we we have an example of someone who who uh, had the responsibility of administrating, but he did that he did it wrong he did it for him, for his own uh, personal desires but here we have an example of, of men who are wise so that concerning the resources they would administrate them properly but there's also another component to that. If they're wise and full of the Holy Ghost, how do you think that they would respond to the people that they, they, they are attending to? That was also another opportunity to share the, the good news. That was another opportunity for these wise people, wise men, to, to communicate the Word of God, to communicate the Gospel. So when you think about it, who are the ones that were involved in doing the work that that the Lord wanted concerning, concerning get, getting the gospel out, concerning uh, communicating the, 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 the counsel of the, of the Word of God. It's interesting, there was this uh, church bulletin I, I saw one time, and it, taught, and it had a list of different people, and at the top it said, said uh, pastor, and gave the name, and then it said assistant pastor, and gave the name. Uh, youth pastor gave the name, uh, minister of music gave the name, and then at the bottom it said ministers, and it said every every believer. Uh, in a generic term, minister uh, does correspond with with servant. In one sense, we should all be servants. And remember the pattern again: who should be faithful to to his family? Just the pastor, just the deacons? No, they're they're a pattern for the for the congregation. Yes, they should be responsible. And in fact, if that if that pattern is shattered, that's we're talking about a, a disqualification. But it's not saying that that he's responsible and the rest of the church isn't. We're all responsible. And so when we look at this, we and, and we apply that to our own lives. 
You know what? We, we all get to be involved in Great Commission work. Paul, in 1 Corinthians uh, 3, is talking to the Corinthian uh, believers, and he's, he's, it's interesting that he says we're co-laborers. He uses that word. Laborers together. We get to work together. You know, a lot of times when we, um, we're on the field and, and a church comes down, they get to labor with us. And, and uh, I think a lot of the teams that come down and the different different ex, uh, expertise that they're able to offer, that is a great blessing. And I think of uh, those who come down and do and done construction, painting, and and uh, one church even came to our house and installed an air conditioner. I was talking to some of the guys about um, a lot of times in most houses, in most houses back 20 years ago, uh, they had a swamp cooler or a cooler, and when you when when you turn it on, it blows out droplets of, of air, so it brings the temperature down uh, 10 degrees. But if it's 120 and outside, it's breathing out droplets of 100 to, 100 to 110 degree weather uh, inside the house, and it's already 100 inside the house. So a church came down, and, and they actually put in a couple of window units in our house, and that was an incredible blessing. But when you think about why missionaries do all sorts of things, it's not because missionaries are good at all sorts of things. A lot of times it's because, by default, they're the ones that, that do it. But but the teams that come down, and they, they get involved in many different ways, it's, it's, a way, it's a way to work together because a team can come down, take pictures of what they've done, and say, yeah, this is how we contributed. And it really does save missionaries tons of time. Um, and a lot of times we, what we don't want to do is just say, we, got to, we need a lot of work, and, and so we need a, American teams to come down. We, a lot of times the teams will come down and work with uh, the the Mexican believers, and that's really what what we want. And sometimes there's initially for a certain structure of a you know, college or whatever, you know, the the, the costs are, are are beyond um, are beyond the the cost that the believers can support. And and again, we can say, well, just send your money down, and we'll hire some laborers. But to actually have um, believers come down and work with us. That is one one of the many many ways in which we can be laborers together, and that's, that's an incredible blessing. But I think that really, when you see verse seven it says the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied, I think that's a correlation of the responsibility that the twelve had, but also a fulfillment of the responsibility that that the the uh, the seven had. And concerning applying that to us and looking at our context of who should be involved in Great Commission work, I think, I think we should, should all be involved in Great Commission work. And when we do that, we are all doing our own part in, in, in investing concerning our gifts, talents, and abilities. Um, my, uh, my boss, uh, the director of our mission agency, Dr. Shoemate, He's a lot of time. A lot of times, he's looking at ways in which churches can can partner concerning Great Commission work, and he thinks of certain people. For example, there's there's someone that's uh, really good in, in IT, or there's someone really good in, in certain areas that correspond to even um, branding, um, and and many different ways in which uh, when ministries work together, they're actually building up each other. And a lot of times, in a, in the context of, of a local church. We think about a church building, church structure, and we think, forgive me for using the word, but churchy things, but we don't always think, and, and someone, someone starts to think, well, what can I do? And you think about my gift, my talent, and ability. 
Um, I was watching this years ago, and I was just flipping through the TV, and and I, I'm going like this. That's even a cultural thing for today. Um, it used to be way back when, when you actually have to walk, walk over to the TV and actually turn the channels. But uh, flipping through, and there's this cartoon. I saw about 20 seconds of it, but it, they're at the table, and the dad says to the kid, he said, he says, pray for the meal. And the kid bells his head. He said, he said, God, he said, everything that's on the table, we, we bought with the money that we, we got from our own work, so thanks for nothing. And, you know, one, that's blasphemous. But I was thinking about that. You know, okay, keep backing up. Where did, okay, the money came from where? From work. Where did the ability to work come from? Everything that we have is from the Lord. And when you think about it, if that's truth, again, go back to your gifts, to your abilities. God gives us gifts, okay? But I think, I, I'm convinced that God also gives us talents and abilities. Uh, everything that we can, can do that's legitimate, the, we can use for the gospel. Uh, there are doctors and dentists that over the years that have come down to Edmosillo, and although they don't even speak Spanish, what can they do? They're attracting a lot of attention. Uh, when I was when I was younger, I, I did play the trumpet, and uh, my first trip to Mexico, um, we I was with a ministry team, and and we were trying to get people out in this this very remote area, trying to get people to come to the church. So we were trying to think of something. It's like okay, so we got on the bus, and I just started playing the playing the trumpet, and that was weird enough to see a bus with somebody inside playing the trumpet. So that people started gathering around, and we'd stop and say, "Hey, you know, we have an evangelistic service. You want to come?" And we filled the bus up. Um, you know, just think of the the, the unique ways that you can uh, help to serve uh, the Lord, and 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 ask for opportunities. Ask the Lord for opportunities. If you are not sure, ask ask your pastor about how. Okay, this is what I do. What can I do? And I, you know, it's really interesting that when when you think outside the box and you think try to think uniquely, the Lord actually does give us opportunities. And you know, it encourages me when people pray for us. You know, we have prayer cards in the back. You know, pray for us. Uh, think about what we're doing. We're simply doing what the Lord has called us to do, and it's the same same calling that you have. The Lord has got, called you to to serve Him utilizing what the Lord has given you in your neck of the woods. Um, there, it's interesting how, and I mentioned Isaac Luna and some of the other, Lila Valadez and, and um, some of the others um, that are already in Africa that are former students of ours that are serving him in many unique ways. Uh, there are certain areas in which Mexicans can go on the mission field uh, where typical American can't because of the way he looks or in the Mexican passport. Um, Ab- Abby has a chance to get a Mexican passport. So, so you know, who knows what, what that would do. You know, there are certain areas where you can go or you, you're, you're not as signaled uh, right away because of your American passport. And they actually fit in in certain areas a lot more than a typical American. 
And, you know, so that's interesting how the Lord utilizes the backgrounds for a specific purpose. So I encourage you to think about what the Lord has done for you. And I encourage you to think about uh, the gifts, talents, and abilities that you have, your your work, your your hobbies, um, you know, people with, with gifts and talents is concerning dental and, and medical, but uh, there's been many other ways that other people have come down, and we just simply think through uh, some of the opportunities, and it's interesting how the Lord has already thought <laughs> ahead of us about those opportunities. So this is this is a passage that really brings to mind uh, some lessons that I've learned concerning culture. Uh, I still learn them, uh, perhaps maybe about our, my own culture, and, and being um, out of um, the, the U.S. for so long, we, our minds took a picture of how things were so many years ago, and now, you know, now the U.S. is actually different for us, so this is almost a, a subculture for us. But when you think about it, the, the, the culture or, or the, the opportunities that the Lord has given us to serve Him uh, really have us to go beyond the limits of culture. And that's what I've really seen. You know, we have the tendency to stay within our culture because it is comfortable. But when we get out of that and we start to get out of our comfort zone, we tend to depend on, on the Lord for our daily needs, he really gives us the opportunities to, to realize that, that the opportunities for fellowship with believers goes much more beyond our, our own culture. So that's one of the things that I really uh, have appreciated by uh, living in Mexico. Someone asked when, you know, how we learned Spanish. I, when my wife and I uh, got married, uh, our pastor at that time of, of a Spanish church, he uh, we needed an organist, and so my wife uh, was assigned the organist. And if I remember it correctly, the first time she played the organ was when she became the organist. Um, the pastor looked, oh, the piano looks like an organ. Okay, you, we already have a pianist, main pianist, so you go over there. And she learned. She picked it up. She, she adapted. She, and and the, the language was different. The culture was different. The food was different. And, and the Lord gave grace to my wife to, to be able to take on all those things and then to the point where she was able to train the next generation uh, of those in the music department uh, that way and also train uh, others in other areas of of ministry that uh, she was involved with. So the Lord gives us unlimited opportunities, really. I think sometimes that we limit ourselves based on on not realizing that what the Lord has given us, He's given us for the purpose of of serving Him. So I wanted to, just wanted to share those lessons, life lessons, and and communicate this passage that really talks about uh, the the way that the Lord works through using. His people, and when we look at the when we look at the connection between being children of God and and being being given gifts, talents, and abilities for that purpose, we put those two together, asking the Lord for wisdom and how to do it, and doing it in His strength. I believe that uh, the sky's the limit concerning what what the Lord will do with our lives and how He will bless us. I'll, I'll end with this: I we don't always see what happens. Um, you know, we we serve the Lord. We don't always see the, the, the end results. Um, but I just want to encourage you with this, this example. A few weeks ago, I was guest teaching in a, in a, in a school, and, and I was talking about reaching Hispanics. And, um, and, and after the class, uh, one of the guys came up to me and talked to, talked to me about his dad, 
Well, his dad is retiring, and the person who is taking his place as pastor, he mentioned the name. Um, when Opal and I were first married, we, we went up north to participate in a wedding. And we stayed with the family of one of the, uh, with, with the groom, and the family of the groom, and we, we witnessed to a family member of the groom. And this family member was studying, um, studying to be a, a lawyer, and, and he's an unbeliever, and other people had witnessed to him before. And so we were just one of, we're a couple of many that witnessed to him, but we witnessed to him. Well, this person became a, and so that was, a, that was the first and last time we ever saw this person. This person ended up becoming a believer, finding a local church, getting involved in the local church, uh, be, becoming the youth pastor, and now when, the, when that young person that came to me said that, that uh, mentioned the name of the person that was taking, the, that his dad was retiring and the other person is taking the church as pastor, was this guy that we had talked to 20 years ago and that we had only seen him once. But God, I think God allowed us to see what had, hap- had happened through just a, the investment of being faithful with what the Lord gave us. So I hope that's an encouragement to you, that when you, when you see a, pr- a missionary, pray for the missionary, but remember that we're, we're working together and it's a great opportunity.